Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I was sitting here on my mic. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. After Manchester United win against Real Sociedad in the Europa League... Uh, but don't get the job done. They needed to win by two goals. They won by one and will therefore go into the dreaded round of 32 uh, playoff to get into the last 16 of the Europa League. And they could play against Barcelona or they could play against Juventus, who are playing terribly at the moment. So it's, I don't think it's all bad, Rob, is it? Uh, I don't know. What have you made of the fallout to this? Because technically United failed, but they did win. And in the reverse game, you look at the penalty that they gave against United and think, really? But this just it. This is this is just it, isn't it? They they lost out by a goal in the end. So uh, the round of thirty two, it is the draws on Monday. Yeah, you lost out by a goal, and I think again we talk about goal difference, and that's going to be I think a recurring theme at Manchester United this year, both in the Premier League and other competitions. You'd seen that really if you'd done the job in other parts of the world you know in other games that really you could have gone on and won this game one nil comfortably and taken the points or taken the, the the top spot you had to win by two um I'm certainly not disappointed I think the performance was more than acceptable I think it was really interesting to see Ten Hag's philosophy of chasing that second goal and what he did he changed things two or three times in matches uh, on the hour mark and then very late in the game obviously trying to chase that goal um, but they just didn't have the firepower. And I think this, again, is going to be the story going into the transfer window. It's about what do Manchester United do in the number nine position? How do they get more goals? How do they get more cohesive around that part of the park? And I think if you'd had Anthony Martial, you probably would have got your second goal last night. You probably would have had that opportunity to to take the points in the way that you wanted to. But I don't see it as a failure. I think that you're going to go into a playoff system now with, better teams, bigger teams. And these teams will not want to face Manchester United. And I think that's not being talked about enough. I think the, the worst thing about it is the fact that there's two more games, regardless of who it's played against. You know, this is a end of season, or this is an entire season with the World Cup coming in a couple of weeks. Is an entire season of just Wednesday, Saturday or Thursday, Sunday, you know, just heavy on the legs. Uh, but you look at those teams in in that draw that United could get. You fancy United over most of them. Let's let's be honest. It's not it's not as dreaded as a 
as it's made out by some, perhaps. But we'll talk about the game uh, and what happened in it today. We'll talk about Harry Maguire up top, which has made the world melt. But I, I thought it was quite funny. Um, we'll talk Garnacho. We'll talk er- Eric Ten Hag's approach to the game as well. Uh, we'll do a little bit of transfer talk. There's been some players uh, monitored or linked with Man- with Manchester United this week. And we'll look ahead to Aston Villa, the first of two games against Aston Villa next week or this weekend into next week, I believe. I think they play each other in the League Cup as well. One away game in the Premier League, one at home in the League Cup. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we'll cover today. You can subscribe wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and watch us on YouTube as well twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, join the community as well. Leave a comment and get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. Uh, Where do you want to start with the the game last night, Rob? Because should we should we should we start positive? Should we should we talk about Garnacho? Do you think? Because he, yeah, he's really uh, obviously Bruno Fernandez in his post match actually brought it to public knowledge again. We we knew this already about his attitude problems in preseason, and that's why he didn't get a chance. We referenced it on a show last week, I think it was. Uh, so he said this, and it's acted like, wow, we never knew that. Like this, The world's found a, a new story, which is actually something that most people would have known about anyway if you were following United relatively closely. Uh, but Garnacho looks like he's stepping into... Or he's staking his claim for a place regularly in the first team. Not, I'm not saying starting all the time, but being one of the rotated options on the left wing. And what a nice, nicely taken goal for his first senior goal for United after a, a decent assist by Ronaldo as well. It's kind of the Garnacho type goal that we've seen from this boy since he was a youngster, since he came to the football club. Um, coming through the left-hand side, he can finish like a striker. He, he he can dance in that part of the park, you know, like he, he's he's got tricks, he's got he's got movement. But do you know what? What has he really got? He's got maturity and work rate. He really has. He doesn't look like a kid to me. And it's one of the reasons why we talked about um, the Youth Cup winning side and some of the boys from that team, about which boys could be could it be expedited into the first team? Could they do anything for United? And I think you're already seeing under this new manager that you take someone like Garnacho and he's fearless and you put him out there and he can go and do things without the pressure on his shoulders that maybe someone like Jaden Sancho carries. Now, I think Jaden Sancho is still your probably automatic starter when he's fit and healthy. He's suffering with illness at the moment. I think that this is a, a repeated issue for Sancho the last six weeks is that he's not been particularly well. That's affected his form, but that's opened the door, hasn't it, for Garnacho? Um, the manager has said, about attacking options and about him having to kind of spin the wheel a little bit and if Garnacho carries on doing what he's doing and he'll get chances. I actually go one step further than that, Scott. I think by the end of this season, we might be going into next season saying Garnacho's an automatic starter. I really believe that. I know he's young and I know he'll have to come in and out of the team, but he's got the total package to do it on that side. And and I just see him almost as a left-sided Anthony. You know, it's, it's just what he does, his confidence there, it's innate. It's inbuilt, and you can see that he wants to entertain. He wants to play the game the right way, the Manchester United way, you know. And I think that that Ten Hag likes that in him, and that's why he got that opportunity last night. I actually have a tweet in my drafts which I haven't sent that we've we've got the new Messi. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be sending that. 
<laughs> it's a joke, Rob. It's actually a joke. What, it's Twitter? There's no such thing as jokes on Twitter. Of course you know, there is. Have you seen my no, Twitter feed? It's no, sarcasm no, all over the place. The sarcasm does not translate well in the 140 That's the point. sphere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, of course, you, you can uh, send that. And, of course, someone will bring it up in five years' time and say, you said this, Scott Saunders, and, uh, and he's not messy, is he? He doesn't. He doesn't even look like him. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> that's so Twitter, isn't it? But um, but yeah, I think I think he can have an impact for United in that part of the park. I kind of also feel like, in terms of like Ryan Giggs when he came into the team as a 17, 18, 19 year old, similar situation in the sense that is he too young? Mm, when he's going to get a run, he's very talented. How far can you get with this player in your team? you know, will he have to drop in and out? And I think we like with gigs for years, the trajectory was up and down a little bit. He had injuries. He had really bad periods of form, like where years on end, one or two years where his form was dipping and not really doing it. And of course, years later, obviously he's got all the trophies in his cap in his cabinet. I think with Garnacho, I think now it's about developing him and bringing through this, this herd of young players that we've got, because we have got a set of really talented youngsters and, it needs to be integrated. It needs to be done properly. And I think Ten Hag is the right manager to actually do that. Yeah, uh, we'll see plenty more of Garnacho, I think. But we wait to hear of the fitness levels and health levels of uh, likes of Jaden Sancho, Anthony, who missed the game as well. Anthony Martial, who seems to be, have been on the cusp of a return mm. for about a month, but has just never appeared in a squad at the moment. Uh, so whether we'll see them all before the... I'm sure we'll see at least some of them before the World Cup, maybe even as soon as this weekend, but Martial, perhaps not. It's just hopeful. Hopefully we can get uh, the likes of those players back as soon as possible to give more attacking options in that final third because Harry Maguire was sent up front towards the end of the game last night and United didn't really bother hitting it long to him, <laughs> which was yeah. a little bit weird. Uh Obviously, United are going to get stick for playing the long ball, or, you know, for sticking Harry Maguire up front alongside Cristiano Ronaldo. You're going to get stick, and especially if it doesn't come off. But they didn't utilize him properly, really. There was only a couple of instances where they lofted it to him, and he, I think, he gave a foul away for one of them, won another header, and it didn't really work out. But he's that kind of presence up there that can win aerial duels and for knockdowns, but they never really utilised him enough, did they, in the time he was he was in that position? No, I had tweets afterwards uh, at me saying, oh, that was so stoke. I can't believe Ten Hag went so stoke. You know, it's like Tony Poulis. Well, I've never seen Stoke play 3-3-1-3, free, 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 ever, never. That's an Ajax system. And and you're right, you know, that the whole point of it was, I think in those closing 10 minutes especially, was that you just hit the big man and that allows Ronaldo to not have to move much, does it? Because it, you're getting everyone else to move so Ronaldo can find the spot in the box. But if it comes down to his feet and gets nodded down to him, he can shoot and score. So I actually liked the tactic. I thought the tactic itself, in terms of like when you haven't got a lot of options, we just talked there about no Sancho, no Anthony, no Martial. Those are issues for you in your goal-scoring terms. You know, those are players that are going to get you goals, get you creativity. So if you can't create you have to cause havoc. You have to cause chaos in the box. So that's what he was trying to do at the other end. But just very odd that especially Fred and especially Bruno Fernandes, when the ball was at their feet in the last three, four, five, six minutes, that they were just kind of either passing the ball sideways or trying to go to feet. And you were like, you've got the big bloke up top. who's supposed to be very good at heading the ball. 
just put it on his head. He's there waiting. He's got his arm up in the air like, hello, England's Harry Maguire here. Look, on my head, please. And you didn't do it. So I think that, again, that, that may be a little bit of bravery. I think players sometimes default. It's too easy to to just pass the ball sideways in that situation, give it to someone else. But you saw Delow and Shaw both were launching it. Like, they were getting it. They were going, right, we know what we have to do here. We have to go long. But these midfielders were not doing that. So I think that was a bit of a shame because I think had United really got their act together in those final few minutes of playing it long and really pelting that box, I think they would have got something. They had opportunities there against a defence that, that was primed in the air. They could have been beaten in the air there with Maguire. And United just didn't actually do it. And Ten Hag said that after the game. He said, you know, we changed the tactics, but I'll be completely straight. I wanted to take risks. That was the word he used. And it didn't work. And it was like, no, it didn't work. So I, I'm okay with it. I think that was a, a roll of the dice. And when you're trying to do something a little bit different, sometimes fans don't like it. We don't understand it. The game was at a little bit of a stalemate at that point as well with the hour mark, and you would have to try and do something different. Do you think the the three 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 one ruined United's momentum in a sense? I, they, they were obviously better in the first half. Uh, they didn't have ultimate control of the whole game, even, even in the first half, but they did manage to look a lot more threatening, I guess, before the system changed. And I, I think it kind of ruined their momentum a little bit. Uh, and they lost their grip. And then they, I went into halftime thinking, oh, United will score again in the second half, the way that they're going. And then it kind of just fizzled out into nothing. Yeah, I, I think it all depends, Scott, about whether you're playing possession or pressing. Is it, This is what it all comes down to. How do you view the game? How's the, view, how's the game unfolding? How are you going to win the football match? So you could stick with your your kind of 4-1-5, which United were in shape for most of the game before the tactical change. That's something we're seeing constantly. United wanting to press into other areas. But of course, the default there is that Ronaldo doesn't press. So that system in itself is compromised. So what do you do? So that 3 3 allowing the striker to go from the centre in and out with Rashford. So Rashford's allowed to go forward, Ronaldo allowed to drop a little bit deeper. It's just more about shape. So you're relying on your players to work it out on the fly a little bit. And I think that's what we saw is that this Man United team is still maybe not particularly overly intelligent. Like I think if you'd gone 3-3-1-3 at Man City, the players would have just worked it all out in two minutes and it would have been right. And you'd have gone... That was a good tactical change that. I think for Ten Hag, he's got to try these things and see, see, you know, which players can help him in that moment. He did also talk after the game about technical ability in the sense of, uh, in those final moments, I needed players with technical ability to kind of make the right choices because that's their job. And I was listening to that. And I my ears were burning with the likes of Bruno and Fred because they are your midfield. They've got to do more in those moments. And they both kind of just went, Oh, I don't know what to do with the ball. Just going to go sideways. Just going to keep it. Oh, and when they did put it in the box, they were awful crosses. So you need your technical players there in that moment to just rise up and put the ball on Harry Maguire's head. Do it. It's not difficult. You could probably do it in training with your eyes closed, but they didn't. So uh, I don't know. I think the three-three-one-three. I think we'll see it again in in future, but maybe not often. Um, and I think it's more to do with how do you utilize Ronaldo in those moments because he needs players around him to help him. And I think in shaping and pressing, Ronaldo just gets more tired and tired and tired, and you just can't create. It becomes less and less. So I think that was a reaction to the players that he had at his, avail his availability and his disposal. 
Just a note on Ronaldo. Getting quite sad watching him, actually. I don't know about you, but it, it just... I don't want to use the F word. <laughs> not, not, the, not the swear word. Uh, the word finished. Um, but uh, just... I, I said to myself at one point where he took the ball down, I think he got tackled and he lost it and he ended up on the floor. I was like, oh... Uh, it, they they you're not very good anymore. Do you know what? And this is this is the thing, is a real social dad were really happy that Cristiano Ronaldo played 90 minutes last night. They were really happy because you can deal with him. You can deal with him physically. He hasn't got the pace anymore, and he actually doesn't join the dots very well. Now give him his dues for the assist. I was delighted when he got that ball down. And mm. Garnacho made the run, and I was like, well, Ronaldo never passes this, ever. And he passes it, and you're like, oh, we might score here, and we scored. It was a really good goal. I'd like to see Ronaldo playmake a little bit more. You know, that's the kind of thing we talked about Ibrahimovic in the last show. And that's the kind of thing Ibra would have done. He'd have joined the darts, bring other players into play by dropping deeper, making space behind. The problem with Cristiano, you say they feel a bit sad about it. I don't feel sad. He's on half a million pound a week. I don't feel sad for people like that. I don't want him at the football club if he can't do what we want him to do. So this is the thing. He will always be remembered as an icon, but he is finished. The F word is absolutely appropriate for him. Both F words and the swear word. Because (laughs) ultimately, this is the thing. Ronaldo thinks he can still do it. And to a level, he can. And at the moment, you don't have options. So you have to play him. And I I had no issues last night of him playing 90 minutes. But in the previous game, I was surprised that he got 90 minutes because you needed to change things. And I think, again, Ten Hag's like, well, this is my best option, even though it's not a great one. So I have to run with it and change all the bits around him. It doesn't work. Like you saw it last night. You wanted the extra goal. It didn't actually work that tactic in the end, even though I didn't have a problem with it. Um, you need to go into the transfer market. It's just what it is. Yeah, you, Ronaldo will either leave in January, but probably more likely to leave in the summer. And if he leaves in the summer and goes with the fond farewell final game of the season, then you reset, don't you? You go into the transfer market, you find the correct striker. But Man United could do with maybe one or two number nines up there. Like Again, you've got to look at, is Martial going to have fitness long-term? What do you want to do with Rashford? I think Rashford's going to end up playing. Maybe he's almost kind of like a 10 in this kind of system. I really do think we'll see more of that in the weeks ahead because Rashford's the only one who's got speed from that part of the park. You know, Bruno doesn't really offer you pace there. And Bruno's getting used wider in wider areas because he's an auxiliary player and he can, I think he's actually less of a problem there. That sounds terrible, mm-hmm. doesn't it? But I actually think you put him on that side because it's about make weight. It's about, you don't want him to lose the ball in certain other parts of the park where it's more dangerous. So you put him wider and you try and get him to to bring come inside as opposed to playing deeper as, as a number eight or something like that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and there are strikers out there that Man United could could bring in both young and old who could help you score more goals and be a better system playing 10 hog football. We'll talk about a couple in a second, but let, let us know what you think of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. He obviously did get the assist last night. And I do think actually that his attitude has, although he did shrug his shoulders at one point last night, but that that's just what he does. Uh, I think his attitude has changed a little bit since the fallout. He looks like, He's happy for Garnacho pulling pulling through and like make getting his moment. You know, yeah. it feels like he's like contributing for the team a little bit more, but it just looks like he's you know, those 
those players who stay well beyond their peak and then you can see the decline like coming on the way down. I think he's he's in that zone a little bit. It, it, do you know what it is? It almost reminds me a little bit of like the end days of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the sense that those were Ole's players, but you could see the players were still doing what Ole was telling them to do. They just, they're just not doing it completely. It's like, it's not a hundred percent there. I think Ronaldo's the same. Ronaldo's like, I'm still at the football club. I would still like to be the hero. I would still like to play all the minutes. And I I would like to help the likes of Garnacho out. You know, he likes Garnacho. He sees himself maybe in him in terms of style and development at Man United. But Ronaldo just can't quite do it. That's the truth. So Ronaldo will still score goals this year and will play minutes. And I'm sure he'll go to the World Cup and have a very successful World Cup because that's what he does. But I don't think he will be the person that pushes United into a top four trajectory. I think you'll have to find your answers elsewhere on the football pitch. The good thing for United is that there are options. I can see now in terms of the way the team is playing, that there is definitely more of a togetherness in them than I've seen in many, many years. Going back, I don't want to go crazy, but back to the Fergie days, like with Moyes, with Van Gaal, with Mourinho, and even Solskjaer to an extent, we never saw that collective responsibility on a football pitch. Even when they came second in the league, Scott, it wasn't there. They just found a way. It was functional. Now Man United look more than functional. They look like they've got spirit, desire and technique. And they're developing all those things still as well. So, you know, you saw Martinez last night, little Martinez, only five foot two or what people say he is. There he is getting above every striker, heading it away, smashing through them. And you're thinking, mm, this is good. I like this because this is now Man United. 2.0 in 20, like here now in 2023, going forward next year. You can see the development in real time. That's huge, Scott. That's huge. And I think Man United fans should be really excited by those things. And you should remember that as well. Like when they don't, when Eric Ten Hag does try a different system and it doesn't come off, like mm. I'm not, I'm not angry at that. Like no. I think he got it wrong personally. I think he got it wrong, but I, I respect him for trying it because he's still learning we're only 20 games into his reign as United manager and he's taken a team who were literally on the floor and as you say Rob managed to turn them around already in terms of attitude and commitment and desire and it looks like everybody is on the same page but everybody also knows that there is a long way to go yet this requires more players this requires players leaving this requires more practice this requires a bit more intelligence, you know, it'll take time. So you just look at it through that lens. Yeah. And for that reason, I guess we haven't mentioned his name, but we should probably talk about Donny van der Beek. So again, Ooh, again, yeah. Donny van der Beek playing the game and people were shocked. I wasn't particularly shocked because I think you need someone like that who can just join the dots in the middle of the park and can maybe play two or three different midfield roles, even though he obviously he's coming back to fitness, hasn't played any minutes. I think the only reason why he's not played those minutes is because of the injury that he's had. He's not been available. But I even thought that, like, even though he didn't have a great game, I could see the seeds there. I could say, like, hang on, this could work. If Donny van der Beek develops into a proper number 10 or be plays behind the, behind the striker and lets Bruno and, say, Ericsson do the deeper work, which you could do, you could let play them a little bit deeper and wider, that could work in weeks ahead, in weeks ahead. So even though the tactic didn't work on the night because you didn't win the game or you didn't win the game how you wanted to, you didn't get the two goals. I looked at that and I thought, tick, 
as promised there. Let's see that again in the weeks and months ahead. We don't know Donny van der Beek will be in the Dutch squad. I, th- I already, I think the 55-man squad has been announced and I did not see his name in it. Right, so if he's not in it, he will be on Manchester United's little tour of Spain or wherever they're going now over uh, the Christmas period during the World Cup. And I'm happy about that because it means Donny will get fit and Donny be ready to play games in the Premier League for Man United in the second half of the season. And we need players who can put the ball in the back of the net. So this is, I think, the other side of the coin is that Donny van der Beek has done nothing in a Man United search shirt since he came from Ajax. He might now get a little opportunity in the centre of the park. So I think United are developing the attacking midfield spread. I think that, that they're getting there with it. I think you're seeing as well, I don't know if you thought this last night, I think Ericsson is suffering a little bit in this system when in a 4-1-5 because it means that he has to do more of the pressing work. He has to go into areas that he doesn't really want to. He's doing it willingly. Um, but it means that his creativity, I think, yeah, gets a little bit stifled. So his creativity gets a bit stifled. Bruno Fernandes' creativity gets stifled. And yet someone like Casemiro shines because Casemiro can can be the cement between the stones, as, as uh, Ten Hag likes to call him. And it's very much that kind of player. So, so I think good things off the back of this game. I look at that and I think, yeah, in the weeks ahead, you might see some positive stuff that maybe we're not expecting to see. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the Ericsson show. I mean, that that was a concern. And that's why I kept talking about, you know, additional signings in midfield mm. uh, during the summer, because I just felt like at some point, Ericsson having to run that much and playing a, play in a deeper position than he's probably used to would probably catch up with him at some point. I mean, United need more options in there, but Ericsson has to play every game. Because you know, I don't have another midfielder who is as able to pick out a pass or is as creative. The options that they have, alternative, are Fred, who can't pass, and McTominay, who can't pass. Yeah, and they they, they do need more. It's another area they need to sign another player in. But yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. I don't think until the summer at the least. But we'll see. They need a few positions, don't they? Yeah, and it's that it's that six eight role as we call it because it's like you 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 are seeing more of a defined defensive midfield role single pivot with Casemiro. So then it's right right how do you build the rest of the midfield around that? So Ericsson is being that guy who is who's sitting a lot deeper than than maybe he's used to. But he talked about this I think before the last Europa game, and he said just used to it. I get told where to play. I'm all right with that. If I play deeper, I can comfortably do those things. It's just about getting the most from him, isn't it? Like, how can you how can you make United more potent with Christian Eriksen and the team? At the moment, he's having to play deeper. I would not be surprised, Scott, if this is his position now going forward for for the foreseeable future. It's just that how do you rotate in and out? And I think you're right with that. You know, I don't think there's any issues with Eriksen's fitness. But I think when you get to that age anyway, and you get to that kind of that, that mark of 30, you need help. You need some kind of, you need some youth around you. You need to be able to do stuff. Man United have got youngsters, again, who can play central midfield and help with that. But it's about developing that culture now, isn't it? So Fred and McTominay, you see they're both playing as number eights when they come into the team. And I think that means that they're less dangerous in front of their back four, which means that they lose the ball. It's, it's the correct end of the pitch and you can go with that but they're not creators, are they? Ericsson is an elite creator. So I think that's, again, a balance point. As you say, I don't think United are going to go into a transfer market anytime soon to solve that one. I think they're more likely would, would target a striker and a right back before they, they get someone in that kind of 6-8 role. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about transfers now. I mentioned earlier that we discussed potential op- options up front that have been linked this week. Uh, talking about the eights and the alternatives to Ericsson, uh, nightandmin.com, we wrote a piece uh, earlier this week 
that United are scouting Enzo Fernandez, who is uh, who's joined Benfica in the summer, has been linked with a number of Premier League clubs, Liverpool included. Uh, Newcastle, like him, Wolves came close to signing him in the summer, but he is 21 years old, Argentinian midfielder, playing and tearing it up for Benfica at the moment. He might even get a slot in the World Cup team for Argentina because I think uh, Gio, is it La Celso, who's picked up an injury, might miss the tournament, I'm not sure. Um, not quite a regular for Argentina yet, but I think he will be a fixture in that team moving forward. And he, he is that type of player who is, you know, he can occupy that midfield area, but has a little bit extra quality than what your McTominay's and your Freds would have. And I think that's the box that Frankie de Jong kind of fell into as well. And that's why they, even though they probably looked at playing him in a different position, I think Rob, me and you spoke on this after Casemiro signed as well and said, wow, Frankie de Jong on top of Casemiro, that would be an excellent midfield balance, wouldn't it? But instead we get Ericsson in there who's playing in a position he isn't used to really. And it, as, you, as you say, Rob, he's having to cover a lot of ground that may affect his creative output. But uh, yeah, Enzo Fernandez is one... We'll see what happens with De Jong. I don't think that's going to go anywhere yet, but he'll consider his future at Barcelona at the end of the season. Could even rock up at Old Trafford in the round of 32 in the Europa League. But yeah, um, and on right backs as well, uh, United willing to let go Aaron Wan-Bissaka at some point. They've been linked with a bunch of other players. Uh, Frimpong we haven't talked about from uh, Leverkusen over the past few weeks, but Ethan Laird is an option to recall as well. Uh, we'll talk about strikers in a minute, Rob, but what do you think... Do you think what, what do you think United will do in January? I think that obviously uh, a lot of this just comes down to how do you balance the book. So people said in the summer, didn't they, when we were doing our shows about transfer markets and and United were very quiet and not doing stuff. Man United don't spend money. Well, Man United ended up spending two hundred twenty five million last summer, so they do spend money. I think with this transfer window coming up, they will spend money again. Again, there's reports that especially with uh, Murto saying recently that we're ahead of schedule and we feel good about that. And, you know, we're happy with what the manager's doing, but then there's the back end story of that is that means Man United are not going to spend money. They will spend money if the right player is available. Uh, I'm confident of that. I think this is against development of this project will take place in each window and each window will be unique. Now they won't buy like they did in the summer. You just talked about the, uh, the, the Argentinian lad there at 21 years old. I do think that he fits your profile of how you want to develop certain positions on the football pitch. And that would then mean that you could actually take Ericsson out the fire line and use him more, say, sparingly at the top end of the pitch, wouldn't you, as a 10? Or in that wider role. Like, you know, you see Bruno now in this wide right role covering for Anthony. Kind of perfect for Ericsson. That's exactly what you'd like Ericsson to cover. He used to play that role for Spurs quite often. But talking at the top end of the pitch, a lot of it will do with Cristiano Ronaldo's half million pound a week wage. So if Cristiano, don't know, gets his offer from Disneyland FC in America and goes there and says, yeah, you know, into Miami or someone like that to go and play with Messi or something crazy happens, then I think he'll go. And I think Man United will be quite happy to reinvest that wage very quickly into another player. Frankie de Jong is still the idealistic candidate. I just cannot never see it happening because I think the player himself, even though he was he did want he did talk to Man United and then said he didn't talk to Man United and all of this. Is he really going to leave Barcelona anytime soon? I don't really know. I think he he might be there in 10 years' time and we'll be going, Do you remember 10 years ago when Frankie de Jong was linked with us and he's still at Barcelona? Would not be surprised if he he becomes a 
the kind of de facto midfielder. That how will they ever forever. put? They're out of the Champions League, Rob. How will they ever pay him back what he's owed yeah. now? I, I I can't see it either. I think well, United are more sensible looking at different options. I I think absolutely, and and I think that this is now Ten Hag. You got to remember now is in a different place in his headspace mm. to where he was when he wanted Frankie Diong. So he wanted Frankie Diong to be piece number one. He wanted Frankie and then to build around Frankie. Now, this was before even Casemiro was even linked to us. Like, Casemiro came out of nowhere, didn't it? It was an agent thing. Bang, 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 he's at Man United. And you're like, whoa, that was quick. Um, but you've got Casemiro now. And we all, I think, would agree. We all quite like him, don't we? I think we like what he does as a six and as a as a roving midfield six, eight. And he does get forward and he does pass the ball. He does those things. So Frankie De Jong is not needed to be your six. So you can look at different types of midfielders. And I think that's where Man United and Ten Hag are. If you're going to buy uh, Frankie De Jong, that financial outlay for him, including wages, will be huge. Like he will be the highest paid player at your football club, probably. If he's your highest paid player, Scott, does he win you the Premier League? I think the answer to that is absolutely not. No. So you need to go and buy another player that maybe has that that allure as a superstar or something like that. So if you lose Ronaldo, you lose your shirt seller, you lose that half a million pound wage, you need to go and find another star, probably as a number nine. I think that's probably more likely where you're going to get it. You need goals. So you don't really buy Frankie de Jong because Frankie de Jong not going to make you score loads more goals, even though he'll help you definitely create through the pitch. So I, I think it's uh, the jury's out. We'll see what happens with, with Frankie. Uh, I would not be surprised if we draw Barcelona in Europa League and then the Frankie de Jong derby match is on and he'll be at Old Trafford getting booed and whistled every time he touches the ball because it almost feels like he's an ex-player, doesn't mm. it? It almost feels like he was ours and then wasn't. But of course, he's never been ours. And, you know, I, I think you have to let go of Frankie de Jong to be able to move on and find the next midfielder that helps you. Yeah, I think... Most people would be more happy now with United going for those players that those gems that they're finding, you know, the gems that the likes of Liverpool used to find instead of I, I love Jude Bellingham as a player, but going for Jude Bellingham for a hundred million euros, I think you know I could probably get two players for that, you know? Of course. You know what I mean? And just change the way that you approach the market for I, me. I, I I you know it's funny you went you mentioned Jude Jude Bellingham because I would say that the likes of Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice are the exception to the rule. So in the, in a normal world, yes, go and shop in the marketplace and go and find the gems, like you're saying. You know, go if you're like Liverpool years ago, you went out, you looked at the market, you went that lad Fabinho is ripping it up at Monaco. He can play defensive midfield and right and right back, and we need those functions, so we'll go buy him. And they spent the money, they bought him, and he's rather good. So that's not a little gem, but that's a player who's on on the up, you know, someone who's improving and someone that you can bring into your team. So United need to find those types of players. Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice could well be individually and as a pair for England, the best central midfield in the world going forward. They could be. They have they've got that potential. And I think we look at Jude Bellingham when you're looking at someone who you want to so a long-term option in your central midfield to build all the bits around to be the sun in the middle of the solar system that all the planets go alleviate all the way around. Jude Bellingham might be that player. Now you have to decide if at 100 million he's long-term value. And I think being an England superstar, which I think he will be in years to come. He will give you that value. He will shell shirts on the moon 
people will buy his shirt and he will be this kind of central figure. He's also got the attitude, Scott. Like He's yeah. got this outward attitude of I'm here to win. That's all I care about. I'm here to develop. And I think that <laughs> that you can add that. And that's actually quite unique in world football. You know, you've got a lot of journeymen, but can you buy a player like that that does that function? Let's say that someone like Declan Rice is going to end up at Chelsea. Let's say that, you know, maybe stay in London. Um, so you, it, it, it shrinks your options. But I, I, I don't disagree with you in the sense that you've got to go and shop the market and find good players. But Drew Bellum for 100 million, like today we say that's not value. Maybe it is. Maybe he goes to this World Cup, England win the World Cup, and Jude Bellingham's a superstar. You don't know. It's one of these weird things in football. And I think that his skill set, the big problem here, Scott, is he should have got him from Birmingham. Yeah, he, he came yeah. to Carrington. <laughs> he came from Carrington twice. You haggled on the price. Ole was a bit like, do we need him? Will he get games? You probably won't get games. We'll sit on the bench, which was true at that moment in time. But you probably should have spent the, what was it, 20 million? 22 Something like million? that. Yeah. 22 million and developed him. And then you'd be like, oh, look, we've got this young lad. He's really good. Oh, he's in England squad now. Um, play a premium on the right players. That's what I say, Scott. Don't pay premium on the Ronaldos. Don't be giving big wages to players who maybe on their last contract. If they're on their first big contract, I'm down with Ralph Ranick. You know, I think someone like Bellingham will be on a big first contract coming back to England. A lot of pressure on him. But I'd like him at Man United. I'd take him. I think the Bellingham part I was trying to make, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't like Jude Bellingham. I, it, was more, it was more of the, it was more of the wider yeah. point yeah. of don't always go for the biggest name and instead yeah. be a bit smarter. I do yeah. agree with the, the Jude Bellingham thing. I think he's a great he'd be a great fit for this midfield. But anyway, uh, we need to talk about up front. We'll look ahead to the Aston Villa game as well. Two other players linked this week, Lautaro Martinez from mm. Inter, who might be a fit, but this these are not going to happen in January. Um, and João Felix as well, who United. Apparently, the, the reports from Spain is that United put a £125 million offer in in the summer for Jao Felix. I think that's absolute tripe, to be honest. Um, and I haven't heard that. We haven't heard that ourselves. But now Atletico Madrid have been knocked out of Europe completely. And, oh God, they need to raise some money and sell players. And I think he's one of the four that is on their list of players to sell. But these aren't happening in January. No, nothing like that's happening in January. And again, I think people need to be realistic about it. Um, I don't even think that he is being shopped on the market by, by Atletico. I think people are just kind of putting two and two together and making six. So it, Man United putting that big bid in for him, I'm not quite sure how true that is. I don't know if that is just master paper talk in Spain. A lot of that happens. Um, he's a really good young player. You know, he's not young anymore. He's kind of, he's been around the block already, isn't he, for a while. It feels like he's been around forever, Jao Felix. And yes, I think, again, he may be the type of player that is ready for a, a next move, maybe to another league or Premier League specifically. Man United might be a nice landing destination. But you've got to remember, like, you know, we talk about the, the striker position long term. It's about how you build around that. Uh, you just said there about Lataro. Um He's kind of said that he's willing to stay into for a little bit longer, but he is the kind of player, player profile of of the type of strike I think that Ten Hag would really like. You look at someone who's versatile, who can kind of play in the half spaces. They can play in and out of the box successfully. So when he's in the box, he looks like a striker. But when he's out of the box, he looks like a midfielder. He's got, he's got that about him, functionality. Again, I think he would help the likes of Rashford and Martial massively, you know, running off him, you know, with pace. I think I think he would be a fantastic player to have. And I like him. I've always liked him. I've always wanted him. When we got when Lukaku was kind of 
uh, went to Inter. And I was remember thinking at the time, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it have been good if we could have negotiated that and got got uh, Lukaku going one way, Lataro going the other. I think that would have been a really good deal at that point. But you were never going to get him because Inter wanted to keep him altogether. Uh, and I think he's the type of striker I think that Man United will really go hell for level for because I think around £70 million, he represents a lot of value at the top end of the pitch. 25 years old, again, World Cup coming up, so he might have a good World Cup. He might be anonymous, but I think, I think Argentina going to have a good tournament. Unbeaten in 30, Argentina, something like that. They go into this tournament, I think, as, as red-hot favourites for a lot of people. And I think he's a really, really good striker. I think he could come to the Premier League and hit the ground running. Yes, indeed. Hopefully I'll get to have a look. <laughs> I'll, I'll be at the World Cup uh, in the coming weeks for a 10-day stint, as it's uh, as it seems. Uh, but yes, looking ahead, because there's more immediate matters, the Premier League is back on Sunday United play Aston Villa at Villa Park. I would have just preferred if they had Stephen Gerrard in charge, personally. But um, nope, they have Unai Emery, who's been getting to work this week. He officially joined the club on the 1st of November. And United have a history with Unai Emery. Uh, although they did go to Villarreal last season and win. Uh, was it? Was he at Villarreal? Oh, yeah, of course he was. He was at Villarreal. They went there and won. But obviously Emery guided Villarreal to that Europa League final penalty win, that penalty shootout that never, ever ended until David De Gea ended it. Ended it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how quickly will he be able to impact this team? Does this become a more difficult away fixture for United now than it was two weeks ago? Well, Unai Emery is a really good coach, but he, Sam Allardyce, he isn't. So I don't think he will come in straight away with a bunch of tactics and Aston Villa will go, oh, we've sold everything. I think it's a work in progress this season for him. I think he's going to have to build it and see which players will go along with the journey with him. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of look at his body of work, both at Villarreal and Arsenal, maybe look at PSG slightly as well, different situation. But it takes him time to get players to do certain things. So I think Man United could take advantage of that. United are much, much further ahead in their project under Ten Hag and are kind of doing all the right things in the right parts of the park. Um, interesting, Villarreal came to Old Trafford, didn't they, last year and absolutely played United off the park, like from the back. It was like horrific. I remember being there. That was when the Oli era was starting to unravel, and, wasn't and, it? But... Oh, that's it. But we beat them in the final moment with Ronaldo, with the cross at the back post, Ronaldo scores, and you win that game. But I remember coming away from that match thinking, how did we win that? Like, we were so bad from the from that part of the park. <laughs> Villarreal was just walking through us, and it was like, it's just embarrassing. But I don't think we're going to see Aston Villa playing uh, Unai Ball from the back. I don't think that's going to be a thing this week. I think they'll consolidate and just try and be make sure there's no cracks on the pitch because I think Villa under Gerard the issue was that it was not whether they were motivated or not it's tactically very 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 brittle lots of cracks in certain positions and not doing the work so an opportunity for Ten Hag here really to kind of I think let his players let let their hair down a bit and be creative um yeah difficult match when you start playing a new team we've got a new manager that's always a problem but I think that this one it will take Emery several weeks maybe even over to think about the World Cup period where he'll have training camp to get these tactics the way he likes to play right into his players heads so an important weekend in the grandest scheme of the Premier League as well with uh, Arsenal going to Chelsea and 
Tottenham hosting Liverpool as well. I know Liverpool are way behind United at the moment, but a lot of people expect Liverpool to come back. So United can maybe jump in the top four. I'm not sure whether they actually can this weekend, even if Tottenham lose. Um, but it depends on what Newcastle do, but I think they've got a relatively simple fixture. But they play Chelsea next weekend as well before the before the break starts. So there's two away games for United in the Premier League, Aston Villa and Fulham, which are difficult because Fulham are playing quite well as well. Mm. Um, but if you can take the points in these two games and go away with the break in that kind of state, um, I'm not sure how much it does change, but it's just good to get those points on the board, isn't it? Um, and put United in a position above where most expected them to be at the start of the season. Yeah, totally. And it's interesting with the Fulham game coming up, we'll talk a little bit more about that you know, another day. But Andres Pereira playing as an out-and-out creative number 10 and getting assists and helping Mitrovic, the striker. And I think you kind of look at his function and, and he probably would have worked in a Ten Hag universe. You actually might have been able to help United creatively. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays against us because I think obviously the lads know him and he's got a point to prove. Uh, but of course, Aston Villa first. It is a, a, an important weekend. I think you're seeing all these weekends now going into the World Cup are, have become more and more important because teams are slipping and, and dropping points. And, and United, if they can even just solidify a bit of a gap into the top four, if they can just get there and hold on to that, that will be a successful first half of the season for Ten Hag. No doubt about it. You know, I think when you look at what he's been building, and again, we can talk about the Brentford game weeks ago at 4-0 and all this to where you are this today. Is a new, this is a different team from that. It's a different it? team. It's a different, different, absolutely different universe. The colour of the sky is not blue. It's a diff- It's now red. You know, you look at these things and you feel much better about them. And that's why I'm not low about, you know, having to, <laughs> of only winning 1-0 in Spain in a place where you've not won for a long time, actually. United have failed on the road going to Spain for countless years now, on and off. Um, and they went there and they did the job and they will feel annoyed they didn't get the second goal because they probably did deserve it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that that you're looking at the way that Ten Hag set the team out now and the way that the team is playing, they're going into these games with much more self-confidence and identity. So I don't think they'll go and play Villa and think, oh, we can't do what we do. It seems now that they're doing it on the road and at home. It seems to be a meshing of ideas now at Manchester United. Yeah, I wouldn't expect a glut of goals, but hopefully United will have some players back like Anthony, Jaden Sancho. We'll see. Uh, we await news on that. We're recording this on Friday morning, so we don't know about the availability of the likes of those players. Anthony Martial as well, as we mentioned, has been on the cusp for a few weeks, but I don't think they want to rush him back and injure him again. But hopefully Anthony Martial will be one of those players who can come back post-World Cup break and be like a new signing to yeah. use the cliche. <laughs> well, I think he's quite keen to play because I think he wants to show that, you know, if there wasn't any chance of getting in that World Cup squad for France, that he's ready. And I think the only reason why he hasn't played is because he's had the repetitive side of these minor injuries. So Ten Hag just kind of said, let's get you properly fit. He's been training for a little while. He's been in training. So he is technically ready, match fit. It's just whether he is, you know, a bit of his body's not going to fall off this week. And United have to maybe measure that as they go in towards kickoff rather than just saying, yep, he's, he's available for selection. Yes, indeed. United play Villa at the weekend. We'll be back next week on Tuesday, I believe, to dissect what exactly happens in that game and look ahead to Aston Villa Mark II, which I believe is on Tuesday or Wednesday night. I can't remember exactly when it is in the League Cup. But yes, three games to go before the World Cup begins for Man United. Hopefully three wins out of three. 
we'll continue the momentum and we'll be back next week as I say so you can subscribe wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and watch this on YouTube twice a week as well Tuesdays and Fridays so head over to the channel leave a comment for us uh, get in touch on Twitter as well and subscribe on the YouTube channel on Twitter you can find us at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at promise and MU for the show Rob Thank you very much. Uh, Always a pleasure. And thank you very much for listening to The Promise Land. We'll see you soon.